0: Hello and welcome to Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable leaders of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobepile, your host, and this is episode 27. Today I'm talking to Effie Mansdorf, Global Head of Customer Success at Illusive Networks. As a customer success leader, Effie operates in a typically male-dominated cybersecurity industry and she leads an all-male customer success team. Effie is also a big fan in working in startups and she will share why. So far, she was creating several customer success teams from scratch in a startup environment. Today, Effie is sharing her tips for succeeding in a male-dominated industry and building up customer success teams. She also shares her tips on proving value to on-prem clients, as well as her hopes to hire more women into cybersecurity customer success. So let's get into it. Today, I'm really happy to talk to Effie Mansdorf, Global Head of Customer Success at Illusive Networks. Hi, Effie, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Effie, I know that you have such a wonderful and interesting career journey. So why wouldn't we start by you telling us a bit about yourself and your background? And ultimately, how did you come into customer success?
1: So it's a great question that most people usually ask. I don't think anyone in customer success takes a... Very natural, like they started off that way, maybe in the past few years, but certainly when I started my career about 20 years ago, there was no such thing as customer success. I started in the tech industry right when it was starting in the early 2000s as a project manager. And over the years, I worked my way up to some leadership positions, being head of project management. And eventually, probably 10 years ago or so, where also coincided with me moving from where I'm originally from, which is New York, to Israel, I sort of shifted my career to customer success, which is sort of typical. A lot of those veterans who are in customer success started off in project management. It makes sense. There's a lot of parallels and very similar skills. And over the past few years, I started CS departments, while my current position at Elusive Networks is similar, really starting a customer success department, uh, starting it from scratch and building the processes, uh, hiring, we're a startup, and that's really all I know is startups my whole career. Never been in corporate, don't want to (laughs) be.
0: That's very interesting and really great to hear. I wonder for project management professionals out there, what would you say have been the best transition to customer success or what are those transferable skills or similarities that are really helping you in your job? I'd probably
1: say first and foremost is the skills that you have when you're customer facing, trying to solution and finding problem solving. And what that basically does is when a customer buys a service or a product from you, uh, you have to really make sure that they're getting the value and they're using it. And those are skills that I developed as a project manager to make sure that they're adopting the product, that when we're implementing the product, they're adopting it correctly and they see value enough and they're using it the correct way, that way after implementation, they're still getting, deriving the value that works specifically for them. So I think those skills are 100% transferable. And that's really the essence of customer success.
0: Effie, I'm glad you're talking about these parallels. So here's another comparison. My business background was also in project management. And you know that satisfaction when you complete a project, right? It's an amazing feeling. You close the project and you move on to the next one. And obviously, this doesn't work in customer success because you don't close relationships. What would you say are those satisfying moments in customer success? Are there any for you?
1: Of course, there's a lot. I think the the satisfaction of closing a project is that you have delivered what the customer wants and expected. And throughout the customer success journey, those satisfaction points are exactly that. I don't think there's any company out there that can define a success journey as a one-size-fits-all for all of their customers. One of the skills is to know and to understand what value means and what success means to this specific customer while using your product or service. And when they do achieve that goal, that's the satisfaction that you get to know that, wow, this is exactly the gap you filled. This is exactly the problem that you solved. I'd probably say the most biggest satisfaction that I always get is what I call like a surprise value. When a customer certainly buys your product for one purpose, but finds another value from it that maybe your organization didn't know, or there's a specific use case that they sort of educate you on. Those are the most satisfying.
0: Effie, you mentioned startups as the environment that you really like to work at. What's driving you to startups? What do you like about it?
1: What I love about startups is that it's the typical wear-many-hats situation. I think that's what's helped me grow over the years and develop the skills that I need, especially in my leadership positions. Even when I was a single contributor, I still had to basically develop and hone my leadership skills because it's just needed because that's how startups are. You're maybe hired for one specific position and it evolves into another and you could take initiative to do yet another. That's what I absolutely love about it. The things that I less love about it is that sometimes it could be unpredictable and less stable, but that's what comes with the sort of agileness and the ability to do many things at once.
0: Effie, now I need to congratulate you and your team. Elusive Networks has recently been named a gold winner for customer success and service. Would you like to tell us more about the award and what does that type of recognition mean to you and your team?
1: So, certainly, our team is pretty young. It's just about a year old. Elusive Networks is a startup. We're only around about five or six years. And as startups go and evolve and the customers become more mature, our organization, rightfully so, decided to really invest in customer success. We did have a version of customer success before, but that also involved PS and support. And it wasn't really. Uh, very accurately defined. When I came on board, it was more accurately defined and we split customer success and PS and support into three. So everyone is really uh, focused on what their goals are. And what was really great about this award is that being such a young company and such a young department that just started, we were still recognized. Basically, we were recognized for customer loyalty and renewal rates. And that was a really, really proud moment for me to see that, that we're able to achieve that.
0: Well, congratulations on that. As you mentioned, it's an amazing achievement because you're proving such an exceptional value in in such a short time. So not only to your clients, but to outside of your organizations as well. It has been recognized. That's really wonderful. Tell me about the team's reactions when you got nominated. And uh, of course, would like to also know generally more about the team that you're leading.
1: Basically, like I said, we have a three-pronged approach where PS, support, and success. At the time that we submitted our nomination, we were just PS and success, right? And the support was not yet defined as a third sort of leg of our, of our team. And what was really great is me and my counterpart. Tim Trekenshu basically had to come together as two heads of the department and prove our value to the, to the committee. And we really noticed when, when we were putting together all of our great value points and and how well we work together. That's what makes our department so special. It's really a team effort. There's really just not one person who does it. Uh, we work amazingly together and that's what gives us the ability to achieve a really well-rounded experience for our customers. And I think it came through when we submitted our nomination and our eligibility and certainly when we were awarded the award.
0: Well, congratulations again on that. Do you think it's also partly as being in a startup environment that you do get to experience that type of close collaboration? I'm not saying it's easier, but maybe you both will have so much more work, but it might be easier to work together than perhaps in some bigger organization or more corporate. That
1: is part of it. I mean, we all get our hands dirty doing sort of quote unquote, someone else's job. And everyone's happy to do it, happy to contribute. While we all have our defined roles, we're all aware that sometimes the lines get blurred and we're there to support each other and to help improve in some spaces. I could go ahead and say, listen, I think this process can be improved in this way. And I would certainly get the same feedback from my other peers within the company. And that's something I think that that does not really exist in the corporate world.
0: And Effie, something else that might also be pretty unique And I really like it, and that's that you are female in cybersecurity industry, leading all male team. So tell me, because you started the team basically from scratch, how was that whole process of building that whole team, building a male team in a male dominated industry? How is it all for you? Tell me, tell me about the journey.
1: <laughs> so, a couple of the team members who are wonderful, I, I inherited from other positions within the company. One was a TAM, another was in PS. And I've also hired and I have plans of hiring in the future. Needless to say, I am a huge promoter of women's initiatives. I was actually a women's studies major in college. <laughs> One of my goals when I was hiring was really to increase the diversity, specifically the lack of female representatives within my, within my team. It's been a struggle. I've sort of been hit with, with a double whammy. I think there's many, many very eligible and really talented customer success managers who are female out there. Unfortunately, in the cybersecurity space with cybersecurity background, which is a requirement, you know, within my team, um, there's just no way around it. You have to have a very strong background in it. You don't find a lot of women there. Uh, specifically, when you take the combination, and, and ironically enough, you may find some analysts or some other uh, more technical roles, females, but that combination of customer success manager and cybersecurity backgrounds I just did not find a lot of and I tried my best and if you're out there let me know maybe maybe in the future we can hire you but it's been a struggle and it's definitely something that I would really much like to to add to my team my team is wonderful I want to just say that I don't want to say that that there's any you know there's, there's anything wrong or lacking but I think that being an all male team could definitely have its advantage if, if there was a little bit more diversity in it.
0: So for our listeners, girls, if you're planning to go into cybersecurity CSM role, Effie might be hiring at some time uh, soon, maybe 2021 or whenever, put your uh, development into cybersecurity area. <laughs> And when it comes to your male team and you as a female leading it in the industry, what's your experience in general in terms of any advantages or challenges that you faced? It's certainly not easy. So I would really like to know any juicy stories or anything else (laughs) you have to share.
1: Well, I can certainly say that it's not really specific to the cybersecurity industry, even though I think it's very apparent in it. I think throughout my career, when looking in the technology space in general, I've found myself many a times the only female in a meeting of 15 While it's unfortunate to see, um, I think any sort of lack of diversity of any kind, be it gender, race, whatever it is, is a disadvantage for any sort of company or team. I'd like to say I, I do see a little bit of an improvement in the past few years, but I think there's a disappointment in the air when you see too many men. I've had st- I've had unfortunate stories where it was very apparent that I was treated differently comments were different I know in my past career I have very blatantly not been included or been passed up for promotions because not just because I'm a woman specifically also a mother there were some assumptions that are Made without even my dedication and and the work that I could put put into it without even consulting me, just assuming. I'd like to say that that's improved over the years, but the fact that it's still male dominated just proves that it hasn't. You know, I hope this like younger generation that's out there that there is a little bit uh, improvement. I know where I live in particular, there are a lot of initiatives for young girls and young women to join the tech field and to join sort of math, sciences, technology, uh, however you may call it in your country, whether it's STEM or otherwise, to encourage them to join it. I know my daughter in particular is part of a program. So, you know, hopefully in 10 years from now, we'll see the fruits of that.
0: That's a great initiative for sure. What would you say are your tips for not only navigating through male-dominated environment, but really thriving and succeeding in it So if you have girls around you looking to enter the industry, what would you tell them?
1: I would say, I think one of the f- the first things that especially I've done probably in the past is that, you know, when I was the only female in a 15 male dominated meeting, when I was younger, I did feel sort of the victim and did feel different. And I think when you do have that feeling that prevents you from speaking up, that prevents you from taking risks, because they're going to look at you like, oh, uh, of course, you know, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about, or, you know, the whole mansplaining thing. Um, and if I had to give myself advice, way back when I would say don't fall into the, the victim role. Obviously, I've developed and grown since then. And you no, know, I don't let it even bother me. I take those risks. I'm anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty outspoken. That's the best advice that I could give someone.
0: Wow, it's so interesting. You're basically talking about the mindset. So nothing even to do with, with the skill set, potential behavior, but just mindset what you're telling to yourself, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you're not willing to take those risks because you feel a little different, because you feel like the spotlight's on you, just because, you know, you're the only woman, you're not going to basically be able to advance. I don't think obviously women have any different skill sets than men. I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in our foot when we say women can contribute X, Y, Z to a team because you could say the same thing about men. You know, if they contribute this, they may also detract from something. So I think there's definitely no skill set or no talent or no anything that's any different than a man. I just think that if a woman does find herself in the minority or any minority finds themselves in a minority, as long as you don't feel, you don't feel it and it doesn't come out in your behavior, I think that's the way you'll overcome it.
0: It does seem that you obviously developed courage and confidence to lead you in your career. I'm sure it's helping in your current role. So starting a new customer success department from scratch, and you have done it twice so far in a male-dominated industry. What is the approach that you're taking? Uh, How do you go about starting a new team?
1: So basically, you sort of have to work backwards. You have to understand what the goals of the company in general are and then customize the process to the goals. I think in any customer success department or team that you're developing from scratch, the ultimate goal is to make sure that Your customer sees value in your products and they're adopting it. Those are the two main things. You know, all that discussion of renewal and cross-sell and upsell that's just results of doing value realization and adoption correctly. Once you understand what the company's goals are, you just align the process accordingly. First of all, the first thing that we needed to do is establish a single point of contact that's going to nurture the customer, which didn't exist before. Establish a, a healthy process for onboarding. Because that's probably the baseline of any good successful journey of a customer that the onboarding process has to be done correctly. And then put in, a, put in a process that will actually nurture and bring the value realization and make sure they're adopted as well. And we have a very particular, very specific product that's very different than any of the other product that i have been in the past. The SaaS comp companies uh, were on-prem. We have no telemetry. We have no metrics that we could measure. And that's one of the reasons why I did join, because I looked at it as an amazing challenge to see how we could prove value without any fancy graphs or user activity. And we're doing it, which is really great.
0: Now you got me really, really (laughs) interested because I'm always so happy with my fancy graphs and data that I can speak Mm -hmm. about to the clients. So what's the recipe for proving value in these situations for on-prem clients?
1: One of the things that I think is really great about it is sometimes when we do have telemetry, we do have that those graphs and those numbers, it could sort of blind you from the satisfaction of the customer. It could be that the customer is really using your product really to the T and correctly and all the graphs show it, but there's still a gap and there's still some value that you're missing for that specific customer. So by not having that, that sort of uh, forces us to skip over that part. And sort of say, I, you know what? I don't it doesn't really matter what the numbers are telling me. I need to know that we're solving your problem, that, we're, that you're seeing value directly. And because of that, we're a very high touch model. We have different exercises that we have to put into place. We have to make sure that they're using specific features that work for them. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that when they do see value, it's communicated to us verbally. Um, And one of the ways that we do it is that we make sure that we have really high and wide relationships within a customer organization. And we don't really put our eggs in one basket with one champion in one department or one area. We go all the way from the end user to the C-level executive, and they all see value differently. They all have different goals. And we have to talk to them and get it and, and understand what the value is. and when we and when they do get value, it's another sort of challenge we have in the security field is is that if we do show our value in, in our case is stopping an attacker from within a network, not every organization wants to communicate that to us for security reasons. We have sort of doubled that even when we do show value and we and it is working, um, we don't always know. So that's where The schmooze, sort of what I call the schmooze talent, you know, knowing how to talk to the right people, getting them to divulge some information that they maybe normally wouldn't. Those are the skills that we need in our CSMs, and that's how we do it.
0: It's so interesting, Effie. Everything you mentioned is something that CSMs should obviously be doing anyway, as being multi threaded within the client organizations. So I wonder what type of engagement your CSMs have with a client. How do they manage all these different contact levels?
1: Yeah. So because we're so high touch and we have a pretty much 100% proactive approach, meaning we can't be reactive due to metrics that we see within an, an admin console. So if we see that maybe like the counterpart in SaaS world, users aren't logging in or they're not using a certain area. So you could go ahead and reach out and see what's going on. We don't have any of that. So we are 100% proactive and we like I said, we have to have very high and wide relationships. So one of the initiatives that we do is create an org chart within an organization and really start mapping sort of like a heat map, really mapping out who our champions are, who are the key stakeholders, like who are the important people within this organization? Who do we need to speak to? And what the sentiment is, there's a scale from one to five to see what your relationship level is. And I've taken this from uh, Tzvi Pellet. I'm sure a lot of you out there know who he is. He's the one who personally introduced this to me on a one-on-one. He showed me how it works. And I, I took it from there and sort of modified it for my company to really see it. It's not enough that you have a relationship. It's what kind of relationship do you have? And it's impossible for the CSM to do it all. If you have a very big enterprise organization and you may have 20, 30 contacts, the CSM has to know how to divide and conquer. It could be that the AE has the high relationship with with one stakeholder and maybe our CEO has another high relationship with their counterpart. It's not expected that the CSM will have an amazing relationship with all 30 individuals, But it is expected that they'll map it out and they'll strategize and to see who can have those relationships and how they could use it in order to strategize the overall approach for the customer.
0: So in order to be successful in it, you definitely need to leverage other team members of your organization as well and work very closely together.
1: Absolutely, which is, again, another advantage of being in a tight-knit startup. And I think that this method is not only applicable to the on-prem, no telemetry situation. It could be basically done for any sort of situation as well, SaaS as well.
0: Great tip, Ifi. I'm no wonder as you are in Israel and you are an expat. Yes. Is, like, for folks out there who might be considering moving abroad for work, what would you say? How would you describe Israel as, you know, CSM destination?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have to say Israel's known as a startup nation, very forward thinking, very innovative. And I can see that the customer success scene as well is a few years ahead probably than definitely the states that I've seen. Very tight-knit community, clearly gone. also before COVID. I've been going to meetups for years, sharing knowledge that I'm only now seeing happening in other countries, uh, and this has been happening for years and years and years in Israel already. Israel's a small country, and again, we're very innovative, very forward-thinking in our technology, and we have a lot to share with each other. And because we're small, we've been doing that for many years. But I am seeing that in the past few years that the rest of the world has been catching up. But this is a great country to be a CSM in.
0: And just out of curiosity, did you try to learn Hebrew?
1: (laughs) Um, I came in knowing Hebrew, also living in the States. I'm Jewish. I grew up Jewish, went to Jewish school. So I learned Hebrew already. So that really, I just had to perfect it.
0: Oh, wow. Such a difficult language. Amazing. <laughs> uh, great. Epi. and what would be your message for aspiring leaders in customer success?
1: I would basically recommend is uh, leave your comfort zone. If you're a single contributor and you have ideas of how to improve a process, if you have ideas how to even make a better business review deck or work together with another department within your company, those are all leadership skills and forward thinking skills that are sort of not really defined by your role. But those are things that your leader hopefully will notice. And if they don't notice, those are just skills that you'll be able to develop and take on to your next role if a leadership role is something that you're uh, that you're aspiring to so nothing's really stopping just because you're not a leader no one nothing's stopping you from doing leadership type activities and I would say go ahead and think of what they are there's no department in the world that cannot use a little bit of improvement find out what that is and run with it
0: thanks for that this has been such a great conversation thanks so much for coming to the show and thanks so much for having me I appreciate Mm -hmm. it you enjoyed today's episode as always i'd like to hear from you so follow us on linkedin and instagram and get in touch subscribe now so you don't miss out of the following episodes have a great day and talk to you soon